Thanks so much for joining us on our Summit Church podcast. If you are new here, we want to help connect you with God and all that He has in store for you. We hope that this inspires you, strengthens your faith, and gives you hope to live your best days now. Enjoy the message. If you're not standing, can I get you to stand? I'm going to give you a reason to stand. If you are grateful for Jesus in this place, can we give King Jesus a loud standing ovation? I think you could do a little bit better than that. Come on, all the grateful people. If you are grateful for the grace of God, just give him a shout. Give him a shout. Give him a shout. Remain standing for a second. I was, I was reading in, in the Psalms this morning how the Bible says that God deserves thanksgiving because of his righteousness. And I thought to myself, he'd only, we'd only stop worshiping him the moment he stops being righteous. The moment he stops being good. The truth is that's never going to happen. He's, he's been good and he'll always be good. He'll never stop saving. He'll never stop providing miracles. He'll never stop blessing. This is the God that we serve. If you are grateful for Jesus, come on, can you make some noise in this place? There's no one like our God. There's no one like our God. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm honored to be here. I've been here several times. I think it's my seventh time, which is number of completion. Amen. But I've never been, had the privilege to be here preaching when Pastor Rick is here, which is both honoring and terrifying because he's a hero of mine. So to be able to preach in front of one of your heroes is, is not always fun for, for a preacher or anyone in any of their fields. But can I tell you what a privilege it is, what an absolute honor it is, how much I admire and respect your pastors, Pastor Rick and Cindy Godwin. They, they are men and women of faith. They, they say it as it is. They, they love Jesus and they do so unapologetically. I don't know about you, but that is a rarity in this day and age. I, I get to travel the world, and it is not often, it is not often that you meet, you meet pastors that have been doing it as long as they've been doing it. And every time you get around them, you get encouraged. They're not jaded. They're hopeful. They're full of faith. What, what a gift you are. What a gift your ministry is. Thank you for every sermon. Thank you for every sacrifice. Thank you for what you've laid your life down for this city. Come on, can we honor your pastors right now? Let's just show them how much we love them. Absolutely grateful for you. Absolutely grateful for you. Go on ahead and, and grab a seat. If, if we've not gotten to meet, pastor said all the kind things about me. I actually paid him to say all that. Um, that was a joke that you missed? Okay. We're, we're going to work it together. We're going to work it together. But like he said... Um, I, I've been in youth ministry, and I was an executive pastor for five years. I was even a senior pastor for five years. But in this season of my life, my, my wife and I and my children, we get to travel the world preaching the gospel. So what I'm doing right here, right now, is what I get to do week in and week out. And, and the last time I was here, I had my son with me. And I might have shown you this picture before, but I just like bragging on my family. Look how beautiful my family is, by the way. And, and how wholesome do we look? You know what I mean? Like, that's just, that's just the whole, that looks like straight out of Hallmark right there. Uh, we, we rarely look like that unless we're taking a picture. But that's my daughter, Chloe, who's sitting on my lap. She's 12 years old. She loves Jesus, and she is the sweetest, sweetest young girl. If she was here, she'd be chatting with everybody. That's my son, Dylan. Uh, he is obsessed with basketball and Jesus. And we're praying for him. I don't know which one he loves more, but he's, a, he's an incredible, he's an incredible young man. And then that's my wife, Jairus. She is Colombian and German. And two weeks ago, we celebrated 17 years of marriage. 17 years of marriage. Dated five, married 17. I know. How blessed is she? Am I right? 
<laughs> man, I'm a blessed man. I have a beautiful family, and I, I just love what I get to do. And I'm excited to preach this word to you. And if, you, if you've not heard me preach before, that's okay. I just want to warn you, I'm going to say it how I feel it. Um, I'm from Queens, New York, uh, so it's just going to come out as, as I think it and as honest as I could be. Is that okay? Right? Imagine someone says no. It wouldn't matter because I have the microphone. So I want you to turn with me. I want you to turn with me to the book of John. I want to turn, turn me to the book of John, chapter 9, verses 1 through 11, which is a pretty familiar story in the Bible. I want to read it from the Amplified Translation because I love some of the wording, which I'll point out in a few moments. But th this is what the Bible says, and I, I thought it was so encouraging, especially on the weekend of Thanksgiving, that we just, we focus on, on what God has done for us, all the great things that God has done, all the miracles, all the, all the signs, all the wonders. Has anyone in the room ever received a miracle from God and you're just blown away by it? I just think it's good that we, we reflect on that, that we remember that. John chapter 9 verse 1 says this, while he, he Jesus, was passing by, he noticed the man who had been blind from birth. He, who had been blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, which means teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Now, I've noticed in the Bible that every time we refer to Jesus as teacher, and he's always teacher. But anytime the disciples refer to him as teacher, he's about to take us to school. And that's exactly what happens here in verse 3. It says this, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, which is important. Because the, the, the question that the disciples just asked, it, it could sound smart, but it's actually really bad theology. And we'll, we'll cover that in a little bit. But Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But it was so that. But it was so that the works of God might be displayed and illustrated in him. It was for this reason that I picked the Amplified Version, just for that. So it could be displayed and illustrated in him. We must work the works of him who sent me. I love that. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. I've noticed in 2022... Because of everything that's happened over the last few years, whether it was COVID or what's happened in the White House or what's happened with the economy, there are so many believers that have become timid in their faith. And what I've seen, what I've, what I've felt, and I've even seen it in my own life, we as believers, are, we've been timid to talk about the goodness of God and we've almost questioned everything that's previously happened as if we might be thinking maybe it wasn't true. And what I see, what I see around the world is that so many believers, their faith has been eclipsed. Their faith has been eclipsed. And here's the thing about an eclipse. An eclipse will make you think it's nighttime when it's really day. And what the Holy Spirit is saying, son, daughter, I want you to know it is still daytime. I am still working. I am still on the move. I am still saving. I'm still providing miracles. And this is the moment where your faith is revealed like never before because he wants to take you to a new level. He wants to take you from glory to glory. And I'll even dare to say that what he did in the past, it was great, but he's about to surpass it. And I believe that our best days are ahead of us. I believe revival is coming to America. I believe we're about to see great signs and wonders like never before. If you believe that, can you shout amen? amen? He goes on to say, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world, giving guidance through my word and works. That's important. Through my word 
and works, through my word and works. We live in a day and age where we have so many young Christians who, who they've watched a few YouTube videos and now all of a sudden they consider themselves theologians. And they, and they say things like, oh, I know the word, I, I know the word, but they discount the miracles. And the issue with that is that you are only relying on 50% of what Jesus has to offer. He says, it's my word and my works. It's my word and my works. It's not just head knowledge, but it's life transformation. He goes on to say, when he said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with his saliva. He spread the mud like an ointment on the man's eyes. He said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated to scent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. That's it. The miracle just happened. He went away and came back seeing. So the neighbors and those who used to know him as a beggar said, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Still others said, no, but he sure looks like him. That's funny how that works. They, they were able to identify him before, but now that he has a miracle, they're second guessing whether that was him or not. But the man says, I'm the man. And I love that the Bible says he kept saying, I am the man. I'm the one you're talking about. I, I once was blind, but now I see. Have you heard that line before? That, that comes from this man. In a few verses, I'm not going to read it. He says, I once was blind, but now I see. And he has no problem saying, that's who I used to be, but what you're looking at now is a miracle. So they said to him, how are your eyes open? Look at verse 11. He replied saying, the man called Jesus. Nothing seeker sensitive about it. He got straight to the point. He tells you exactly who it is he's talking about. The man called Jesus made mud and smeared it on my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received my sight. I received my sight. I want to take the next few moments and I want to preach to you from this idea. I've seen it with my own eyes. If you're taking notes, go on ahead and write that down. I've seen it with my own eyes. If you're not taking notes, take notes. I've seen it with my own eyes. Let's pray one more time. Holy Spirit, speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, how many of you like short prayers like that? That's what I'm talking about. You need someone to come over and pray for Christmas dinner? Invite me. We'll make sure that food doesn't get cold. Come on, just a few days ago, some of you were frustrated with the person praying because they took about 30 minutes and that turkey got cold. You know what I'm talking about? It ain't all time for that. We came to eat. Let's just get to it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you know, we live in a day and age where people want to deconstruct our faith. This word deconstruct is a, is a buzzword in, in 2022. And to be honest, I'm not mad at this idea of deconstruction as long as it leads to reconstruction. Like, let's get rid of false theology, ideology, philosophies, and behaviors that do not glorify God. If it's not going to push me forward as a believer, if it's not going to push us forward as a church, then I don't want it. I, I only want what's God. Can anyone agree with that? I only want God. I only, I only want God. I don't got time for fluff. I don't got time to waste. All I want is Jesus. Give me that and get rid of whatever is not that. I, I only want God. With that said... In an attempt to filter right belief from wrong belief, I've noticed something that is terribly wrong. And maybe, maybe you've noticed this as well. There are deconstructionists, if you will, that have been making a great mistake. 
Maybe you've seen this before. Maybe you saw a TikTok clip. Maybe you saw a YouTube video. Maybe you had a conversation with somebody that grew up in church, and now they think they know better. See, my concern today is not so much with the non-believers. It's not really with the non-Christian at all because 1 Corinthians 2 warns us the person without the Holy Spirit can't understand the things of the Spirit. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not going to understand the things of the Spirit, which means it is a waste of time to argue with an atheist or a non-believer about the things of God. You cannot expect them to get it because they do not hold the source, which would allow them to catch the revelation of what it is that we're talking about. But today, if I was going to talk talk to someone or address somebody, my greatest issue is with the person that says they believe, but yet don't truly believe. They think they know better. They've been trying to dismiss the evidence of our, of our faith simply because they can't explain it. This is their thought process. If I can't explain it, then I shouldn't believe it. If I can't explain it, then I shouldn't believe it. And can I say I could not disagree more? In fact, I would like to go on record stating that not everything we believe in can be fully explained. Not everything we've experienced can be fully explained. Not everything that we've seen can be fully explained. But because I've seen it, I believe it. Because I've seen it, I believe it. See, the essence of our Christianity is faith, hope, and love. And what accompanies faith, hope, and love are miracles, signs, and wonders. Faith is essential for these three to take place. According to Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Perhaps no other component of the Christian life is more important than faith. We cannot purchase it, we cannot sell it, and we cannot give it away. Nor can we fully explain it with logic, reasoning, or science. The dictionary defines faith as belief in, devotion to, or trust in somebody or something, especially without logical proof. It also defines faith as belief in and devotion to God. The Bible has so much to say about faith and how important it is. In fact, it is so important that without faith, we have no place in God, and it is impossible to please him, as noted in Hebrews 11.6. According to the Bible, faith is belief in the one true God without actually seeing him. And yet, in my own life, although I've never seen God, I've seen God. Although I've never seen God, I've seen God. Although, although, let me say it this way, although I've never seen him face to face, I've seen the results of his stare. Although I've never made eye contact with him, I know that he's been looking after me. And I know he's looking after my wife. And I know he's looking after my children. And I know he's looking after my finances. And I know he's looking after my legacy. Am I the only one? I know I've never seen him, but I've seen him. I've seen him show up in my life. I've seen him show up in my marriage. I've seen him show up in my health. I've seen him show up in my business. I've seen him show up when it didn't make sense. I've seen him show up in the middle of the night when I was having an anxiety attack. I've seen him show up when there seemed to be no way. All of a sudden, there was a way. And what I am sure and certain of is this. Although I can't explain it, it is only the works of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Although I've never seen his hand, I've seen the result of his powerful hand. Maybe I'm the only one. But if there's anyone in the room that says, no, I could attest to it. I've experienced it before. I need you to take 20 seconds and give him a shout in this place. 
I've seen it in my own life. I've seen him work. I've, I've seen him move. Even when it didn't make sense, I've seen him show up. Even when everyone said it was over, God showed up. And then all of a sudden where it seemed to stop, there was a shift because Jesus was there. I believe because of what I've seen. I know it because I've experienced it. Man, that word experience, it's, it's essential. And the enemy, the enemy wants to minimize your experience. He wants, to mi he wants to minimize your experience. And what he's trying to do is misidentify your experience as a mistake. He's trying to misidentify your miracle as a mistake. But it is your experience that Jesus wants you to hold on to. See, the other day I was out to dinner with my, my two friends and my wife. And they were talking about how they're trying to minister to their friends. And, and they said that they could only share with them but so much they they need them to get into the presence of God and I thought to myself that's it because there's something that experience can do that explanation can't this is why Jesus says taste and see that the Lord is good try it for yourself come and see for yourself Acts 3 16 says this by faith in the name of Jesus the this man whom you see and know was made strong it is Jesus's name and that faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you all can see Deuteronomy 10 21 says this he is the one you praise he is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw this with your own eyes in other words it is set up this way it is set up this way that you would believe in God because you've experienced God. We believe it because we've seen it. We believe it because we've experienced it. And here's the thing. The world wants to argue with you your theology. But the fact of the matter is a world with an argument is no match for a church with an experience. A man with an argument is no match for a person with an experience. You could argue with me theology all day long, but you can't tell me what I've experienced. You can't tell me who I used to be. You can't tell me what I was and what I am now. You could try to label it something else, but I know I am only here by the grace of God. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was sick, but now I'm healed. Any testimonies in the room? I need all the people that would say, I know who I was, but I'm only here right now because of the grace of God I am a walking talking breathing miracle and it is only because of Jesus that I'm here you don't have to believe it but you're not going to stop me from believing what I believe because I've seen too much that's why it is imperative that we, we address every heretical TikToker and YouTube theologian that is robbing this generation, by the way. You are operating in a spirit of confusion and delusion. Simply, you are wrong. And the Holy Spirit is saying this right now. He will not stand for it any longer. He's allowed you to get away with it so that you could talk yourself into a frenzy. But what he's about to do is disprove you with experience. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, I'm about to expose them with experience I'm about to expose them with experience the very ones that are coming against me they're about to get saved radically the ones that have been denying me I'm about to work in their life the one that argues with you at the Thanksgiving table or the Christmas table you don't need to argue with them you just stand back smile and watch when God shows up in their life because they're only going to be able to get but so far in this life without running into the presence of God and we know this when you experience 
experience the presence of God, everything changes. Demons have to flee. The sick are healed because there is nothing like the presence of God. Am I the only one that has experienced this presence before? When you get in the presence of God, you are aware and know that there is one true God and his name is Jesus. If you are grateful by that name and have been saved by that name, give him a shout in this place. I'm here today to deconstruct this lie that everything God does must be explained with reasoning. As if. As if God ever needed to give any one of us a reason to do what he does. As if God ever needed to need our permission to be God. He is God all by himself. He does God things, so he does it when he wants to. He moves like he wants. He walks like he wants. He talks like he wants. He responds when he wants. Why? Because he is God. He will bless who he wants to bless. He will provide for who he wants to provide for. Who he, he will heal who he wants to heal. He will love who he wants to love. And he will save who he wants to save. See, I am saying this to encourage us as a body while pulling those operating off of the superior pretense off of their spiritual high horse. In other words, I want to correct those that think they know better. Allow me to remind you of Romans 11.34, who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor. Or 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. In other words, you can't fully explain what God does, what he does, but that doesn't mean that he's not doing it. You know what I've become comfortable in my life? I've been comfortable with this response when somebody challenges me why God would do what he does. It's the best response. You should write it down and keep it. I don't know. That's your response right there. Well, why would God save them? I don't know. Why would God bless them? I don't know. Why would God do this or allow this to happen? I don't know. But here's what I do know. I do know that he's good and I know that he's God. I have no problem admitting I don't know what I don't know. But let me say this, even though I don't know what I don't know, I'm not going to allow what I don't know to stop me talking about what I have seen. I'm not going to allow what I don't know to stop me talking about what I've experienced. I don't know why he's allowed certain things to happen, but what I know, his ways are not my ways. His ways are far superior to my ways. He's going to do what he wants to do because he is God all by himself, and he has this whole thing written out, and it is for his namesake, and it is so that his glory can be illustrated in our lives because if you were able to do it on your own you might think yourself is God but when he does it and science can't explain it and it's only going to point to the fact that there's only one God and his name is Jesus how good is that I don't know but it's not going to stop me from pursuing because here's what I do know I've seen him do too much I've seen him do too much. I don't know why he would use 12 misfits and call them disciples. I don't know. But I know that the result of their obedience has turned the world upside down. I, I, I don't know why a woman pushing through the crowd, touching the hem of his garment, would, would allow her to receive her healing. I don't know. But I do know that that woman's strength showed me something very important, that even in her weakest moment, I'm strong enough to get to Jesus. That's what I know. That's what, that's what I know. I don't know why he would talk to a woman at a well midday. I don't know. But I know as a result of that conversation where to find the living water. I, I don't know, but I don't know. But what I do know is that he's good 
and that he's God? I don't know. Is it true that the, I've never seen the righteous forsaken? I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Is it true that the faithful will be richly blessed? That is 100% true. The, the faithful will always be blessed. But you know what's also true? The same way the righteous are blessed, I've seen the ratchet be blessed too. I've seen mean people be blessed. I've seen angry people be blessed. I don't know. Why would he do that? I don't know. I've seen people that were rude be healed. I don't know. I've seen people that don't like children be blessed. I don't know. I've seen people respond to altar calls and pastors pray over their womb. And then, and then nine months later, they have a baby. I've seen it. I, I don't know why it happens, but, but it happens. And, and all I could think is that because he is writing a story. And he wants our stories to point to who he is. I heard the Holy Spirit say it this way. Our story, his glory. Our story his glory. You got to understand the reason why you're going through what you're going through. It's, it's simply because he designed it that way. Yeah, of course, there are sins we bring on ourselves. Absolutely. There, there are stupid things that we do that put us in horrible situations. But not everything we deal with is because of a mistake. This is why when the disciples say to Jesus, well, who sinned, him or, or his parents? What a dumb question. The Bible says he was blind. Since birth, Jesus identifies him as a man that was blind since birth, which means the disciples knew he was blind from birth. So if he was blind from birth, disciples, when did he have time to sin? In the womb? And that's the thing about dumb theology. If you say it in such a way, it almost sounds right. It's, it's not because you sinned. It's not because you made a mistake. It's because he wants to illustrate something in your life. And I am hoping this liberates somebody because I've been in your shoes before where you think what's happening in my life, I must have created something or done something or there's some unconfessed sin that I never dealt with in my life. And now all of a sudden, God is holding me to it. Wait a minute. I thought he was the God that doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. I thought as soon as we repent, we, he says, I forgot about it as far as the east is from the west. So this is the God we serve. You have to get your mind off of thinking it's something on you. And can I just point out the fact that Jesus is about to perform a miracle, but the disciples are focused on sin. What a distraction that even in the middle of a miracle, you could miss it because you're trying to understand it. There are so many religious people that are fixated on, on, on you sinning and your sin. Sin is bad. I don't want to sin. But the truth is we all sin and every day we're going to sin. That's why every day he offers us new mercy. You know what I wish? I wish when the disciples said, well, who sinned, him or his parents? Instead of him saying nobody, I wish Jesus would have said all y'all. Each and every one of y'all, from, from Adam and Eve till now, each and every one of you. If this was about punishment, if this was about penalty, then, then who would be able to stand up here? The Bible says that my righteousness is but filthy rags. In fact, the translation, the original translation, is that those filthy rags are the rags that a woman would use that one time a month. That is how, that is how descript the Bible is in letting us know that even in our best days, it's not really that good. Me and Pastor Rick were talking last night, and he was, I, I said, man, that, he was a great man of God, and I love his response. He said he was, he was a man, like all of us. 
He was a minister, but, but like all of us, just like each and every one of us, we're just men. Think of it this way. The best of men are just men at best. The best of men are just men at best. So, so, so who sinned? Nobody sinned. He's trying to illustrate something. There's, there's a reason why he's doing what he's doing, how he's doing it. I heard the Holy Spirit say it this way. You're not a problem. You're a prop. You're not a problem. You're a prop. I'm using you in the landscape of life to point out, to illustrate how good and how great I am. So I've allowed you to experience certain things. I've allowed you to go through certain things, and I'm doing it. So when you think that you can't and I show up, it's going to point out to who I am. See, this man, he was born blind. The Bible lets us know that he's in his 40s when he finally receives his miracle. You know what that tells me? That even when I pray and I don't get my miracle right away, it doesn't mean that it's not on its way. It doesn't mean that just because I didn't get it at 22, I won't get it at 42. And I want to encourage you today because you think, you may think that God forgot about you and that is not true. The Bible says that Jesus was walking by and he noticed the man. He, he noticed the man. Can I tell you God notices you? He's so good that he notices you even when you don't notice him. So let's walk away from that theology that unless I scream loud enough to him, then I won't get to him. No, no. There, there are instances in the Bible, blind Bartimaeus, he calls out to Jesus. Jesus has mercy on him and he heals him. Yep, that happened. Yeah, it happened that a woman pushed through a crowd and got to Jesus and she got healed. That's true. But in this story, the man doesn't even notice Jesus. He doesn't even scream out to Jesus, and yet he still gets his miracle. Why? I don't know. Because he's God, and he's going to do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. He could have easily pointed to the man's face and his eyes open, but yet he decided to use mud. He showed you even the, even the dirtiest, even the dirtiest objects can still be used for my glory. The man gets healed, and he didn't even ask for it. Let me challenge your theology a little bit further. He's not even saved. What? The Bible lets us know in this chapter, if you were read it all the way through, Jesus has this moment with the man. He heals the man. Then Jesus leaves. Then the man is alone with the Pharisees and the people in the town and his parents. And the Pharisees are trying to figure it out. And the man unapologetically is saying, I'm the man. I once was blind, but now I see I'm, I'm the man. They look at the parents, and the parents, they back off. They're like, well, i got to back away from my son because if he gets us killed, I'm not trying to die for him. They weren't really the best parents. So they back away from the son, and the son just stays strong in his faith. And then, and then after that moment, there's another moment later in the chapter where he runs into Jesus again, and then he gets saved. So how does that for your theology, where, where you may think, well, unless I'm saved, I'm not going to get blessed. And unless I do this, I'm not going to see that. Man, you chase after Jesus, and I promise you, when you chase after Jesus, blessings will follow you. But here's the greatness of grace. Even when you don't chase after Jesus, he's chasing after you. Even when you're not looking after him, he's looking out for you. Even when you're not looking for him, even when you can't, even when it's impossible, this man was blind. He couldn't even look for Jesus, and Jesus saw him. And it wasn't because he made a mistake. He said, I positioned this man, and I was going to use it for my glory because I'm God, and I do what I want when I want. I want you to get ready because he's about to move in your life in ways unexpected, in blind spots that you're not even aware of, in areas that you're not 
not even paying attention to. He says, son, get ready. Daughter, get ready. If you believe that God can move like this and show up in your life without you even being aware of it, I want you to give him a shout of praise in this place. Even when I don't know to ask, he still provides. Man, this is the beauty and the greatness of grace. And really, I just, I really want to liberate the person that's wavering, wavering in their faith. Because you think that you have to accomplish something else in order to get to the next level in faith. He's saying, son, I love you. Daughter, I, I love you. In fact, if you were to embrace who you are and what it is that I've done, you'll be operating in my will. I say that because some of you, some of you are embarrassed by your testimony. Some of you don't want people to know that you used to be an addict. You used to have to drink too much in order to go to sleep. You used to look at certain things on the internet. Maybe, maybe you're the first 20, 30 years of your marriage was really hard, but now it's good. Now you don't have to do those things, and you keep hiding it. Jesus is saying, I'm looking for people that could say, I'm the man. Not, I'm the man, but I'm the man that once was blind, but now I see. He's looking for women that have no problem admitting that you used to be addicted, that you used to be a gossip, that you used to be a liar, but you're not that anymore. See, this idea of playing church is what I love so much about Summit because this church in the middle of Texas, in the, in the middle of the country of Texas where, where, where we do church, everybody's faking it. Not everybody, but a whole lot of people. You know, it's Sunday, so we go to church talking about you want to cut your, your wife or your husband in the car, but then you get out, you're holding your Bible, you're smiling, acting like everything is okay. God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. He says, nah, man, show me who you really are. T -t Tell me what you've really been dealing with, because that's what's going to bless somebody else. How do we overcome? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Satan wants you to conceal your story because he understands that breakthrough is on the other side of it. So he, if he can get you embarrassed about who you used to be, you actually stop all the breakthrough that's in front of you. I need somebody unashamedly to say, that's who I used to be. Yeah, I used to behave that way. Yeah, I used to talk that way. But guess what? I'm I'm not that anymore. And guess what? Even though I'm not who I used to be, I still got a ways to go. That's why I get before Jesus because I'm just a man. I'm just a woman. I'm fickled and I'm flawed and I make mistakes and sometimes I lie and sometimes I do things that I'm embarrassed of but yet the grace of God is still with me and his favor is still on me and his mercy still covers me and I declare and believe that my best days are in front of me. I'm not perfect but I know the one who is and his name is Jesus and because of Jesus, I've been delivered. And because of Jesus, my family is saved. And for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And my children are going to know I'm not perfect, but they're going to know about this perfect God. And they're going to know that even when they make a mistake, they can get to Jesus. And even when they fall down, they can get back up. Because I'm somebody that has fell, and I probably will fall again. But because of Jesus, I'm standing right now. If anyone says, that's the kind of Christianity I want, that's the kind of life I want, give them a shot out in this place.
Man, I remember when I first met Pastor Rick. I was preaching at a conference in Brooklyn. He was ministering. And I shared this testimony. And at first I thought, oh, Pastor Rick's going to be there this time. I don't want to share the same story again. But then I thought, how silly is that? This is a testimony. It's a part of my life. And it might encourage somebody in the room. In fact, after the last service, I went to the, get a coffee because you guys have the greatest coffee. I'm not sponsored, but I could be now. woman came up to me and told me that my story was her story. What happened to my son happened to her daughter. See, 11 years ago, it was a Saturday night. I was laying down with my son, Dylan. We were watching Spongebob. As he fell asleep in my arms, we both woke up to the sound of my wife screaming. Because as I looked down on Dylan, Dylan had a black and bruise all over his face. We had no idea what happened. He was fine just moments ago. We pick him up. We rush him to the hospital. The doctors start to run tests on him, and they let us know that Dylan has a rare blood disease called ITP. And at the moment, his blood platelets were dropping significantly. See, at any given moment for a healthy human being, we have a blood platelet count of 250,000 to 350,000. In this moment, his blood platelet count was at 70,000. The doctors said, we're going to treat him. We're going to keep him overnight. We'll see how he is in the morning. Morning comes, they let us know his blood platelets dropped even more. The treatment didn't work. They said, we're going to try something else. This almost always works. Let's see, the next day, same thing. We stay overnight, wake up in the morning. The doctors tell us that treatment didn't work. And now the hope was gone from their voice. They said, you know what? You might have to get used to being here. And there's a possibility that we're going to have to, we're going to, have to remove Dylan's spleen and operate a spinal tap. In that moment, I was angry. I was a pastor, but I had no faith in that moment. I'm embarrassed to say it, but it's true. I was angry at God. I remember in that moment trying to figure out, God, is there something that I did? Why is this happening? I got a phone call from a friend of mine named Chad. I get on the phone with Chad, and Chad lets me know that he's with a pastor named Jude. Pastor Jude jumps on the phone. He says, Chris, I want you to know that I was with a pastor who had the same situation with his son a few months ago. I prayed with him and his son was healed. He said, here's what's about to happen. I love the authority. He said, here's what's about to happen. I'm going to pray over Dylan and Dylan will be healed by 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. We prayed. I was angry. To be honest, I'm not really sure I believed. But yet, I woke up the next day to the sound of the doctors and the nurses screaming. Dylan's blood platelets went up overnight. It's an absolute miracle. They started celebrating. They started rejoicing, letting me know that although they were dropping, now they've gone up. And then they told me that Dylan no longer had the blood disease, that there was no trace in his body. It was mind-blowing. And here I am 11 years later, and guess what? Dylan has never had a blood issue again. He's never had ITP again. He's never had to go to the hospital again. I can't tell you why I went through what I went through for those three days. I can't tell you why Dylan went through what he went through for those three days. But what I can tell you now is that Dylan is a walking, talking 
breathing miracle. And the fact that God did it for him, I know that he could do it for you and he could do it for me. It's a story that I'm going to hold on to because it's my story. It's my son's story. I don't know. Is there anybody in the room that says, I got a story. I used to be blind. I used to be sick. I used to be broken. I used to be addicted. But I met a man named Jesus and he changed everything about me. I once was blind, but now I see any of those people in the room. Stand up on your feet and give Jesus your best praise in this place. Come on, Summit. All the grateful people. If you're not grateful, sit down and be quiet. But grateful people that would say, I was broken. I was lost. I was angry. I was confused. I was a mess. But I met a man named Jesus, and he turned it all around. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here right now. All those people in the room, give them a shout. Stay standing. Stay standing. We're going to close out. I'm telling you, man, I want, to, I want to encourage the one that's still in the middle of it. You're an illustration. It's okay. I can't tell you when he's going to do it, how he's going to do it, or why he's going to do it. All I know is that he will do what his will is. He will always fulfill his will. He will always fulfill his will. But you keep sharing your story. You tell him, I'm, I'm the man. I'm the woman. I, I once was blind, but now I see her. Yeah, my marriage was broken, but now it's restored. Yeah, my, my children were wayward, but now they're good. My, my business was failing, but now God blessed it. Just tell me your story. Tell him your story. Tell him your story. And I remember saying to Pastor Jude, why did you share with me that testimony before prophesying over Dylan? Look what he said. The presence of God abides on the ark of the testimony. The presence of God abides on the ark of the testimony. In other words, because you heard that testimony, God's presence falls and now your faith is built. That is why there is so much power when you don't just pray with someone that's going through what you go through, but share with them with discretion what you should share with them that will help them and encourage them to keep on going forward. Now, I want to pray for all of us, but before I do, I want to make sure that, that anyone in the room or watching online if you want to give your life to Jesus or recommit your life to Jesus, that you take full advantage of this moment. So let me ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. If you want to give your life to Jesus or recommit your life to Jesus, this is your moment. When I say three, if that's you, you lift up your hand. One, Jesus died for you and he loves you. Two, the Bible says that tomorrow is not promised to any man or any woman, but today is the day of salvation. You may not fully understand it, but you want to give Jesus a try. This is your moment right now. Three, lift up your hand if that's you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yep, yep, yep. Man, man. I see you, I see you, I see you. Yep, 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 yep. I want you to repeat this with me. In fact, let's all repeat it together. Say, Jesus, you are king. You are Lord. Forgive me of my sins and all my wrongdoing. I give you my life. Have your way within me. In your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, the Bible says that when one gives their life to Jesus, that the angels in heaven rejoice. So I don't know if anyone's ever celebrated you before, but there's a party going on in heaven on your behalf right now. Come on, can we just celebrate? Let me pray for all of us as we close out. Every hand lifted up, every hand lifted up, every hand lifted up. 
And this is, this is you saying, man, I'm willing. I'm, I'm willing to be an illustration. I'm willing to talk about the goodness of God. I'm, I'm willing to talk about what you did for me. I, and I know you have more for me. I, I know there's better days in front of me. I know there's more miracles in front of me. My faith needs to be built and, and, and activated in a way so that the works could be worked. So that the works could be worked. Come on, every hand lifted up. In the name of Jesus, we come before you and we offer our lives to you. And we say, have your way in us and have your way through us. Father God, would you restore to us the joy of your salvation? Would you rebuild our faith? Would you remove anything that has eclipsed our faith? Would you remove the fear and the lies of the enemy? We say thank you right now. We operate in gratitude right now. Thank you for not treating us as our sins deserve. Thank you for not leaving us as we were. But thank you for changing us. Thank you for restoring the marriage. Thank you for meeting the children. Thank you for healing our bodies. Thank you for meeting us every day with new mercies. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices saying have your way in us and through us in the precious and matchless name of Jesus. Summit, if you agree with that, take the next 20 seconds and give Jesus your best standing ovation. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting summitsa.com.